Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is January 31st. Today is a flurry of transfer activity for most teams around the world, with one exception. But for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to go ahead and assume that Atlanta United has brought in a striker and brought in a center back. We know for a fact that the team has loaned out Edwin Mosquera. So we're going to get into all of that. We're going to review the friendly against Chattanooga, which seems like it feels like it was played about a month ago, but it was only a couple of days ago, uh, maybe because the result was so bad for the MLS team, which is currently in Mexico. And then we'll uh, go into the mailbag and answer some of your questions. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and on the Instagrams at Douglas David Robertson. All right. And if this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now, Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein. And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. All right. So if you didn't go to Chattanooga, you missed a great town. I love Chattanooga. A lot of good breweries, a lot of good restaurants, a lot of good people, short drive from here, fun little day trip. But I went there for work, went there to cover Atlanta United's very first preseason match this season against Chattanooga, a tier three team against Atlanta United, of course, an MLS team. And it was a 3-3 draw with all six goals scored in the first half in which Atlanta United, most of Atlanta United's presumed starters went against Chattanooga starters, although the, the team's only been together for a week, um, so it's really hard to say it was their starters. But Chattanooga gave them everything they wanted and probably a lot more. It was, as manager Gonzalo Pineda said, a frustrating first half, uh, I'm sure a disappointing first half for the players. So there's really only room to grow. The goals were scored by Luis Arujo, who scored two, one from a penalty kick, one from a theft during a press, and Machop Chol, which was also assisted, so to speak, by Luis Arhujo off a long run through the defense, and he kind of got taken out by two defenders and the goalkeeper, kind of a four-person collision, and the ball bounced to Chol, who scored. The goals scored by Chattanooga were not great if you're an Atlanta United supporter. 
The first was a result of Brad Guzan trying to stop a ball before it went across the inline for a corner kick. Instead, the ball bounced off his hands to a Chattanooga player who passed it to another Chattanooga player who's standing wide open in front of the goal. Easy peasy. Goal. Second goal came from a shot that was deflected from the, around the top of the printing box. It bounced to the same player who scored the first goal. He took a touch to his left, took another touch to his left, waited on Brooks Lennon to commit. Brad Guzan came out at the same time, and it was a nice little shot to the near post. The third goal came uh, when a winger for Chattanooga kind of shrugged off two tackles from Chole and Gutman, got to the end line, passed it back into the penalty box about six yards away. I said in my story that the player was unmarked. There was an Atlanta United player who was closing in fast and tried to slide to break the pass but couldn't shot, score, goal. I would like to think that if there were, this were a meaningful game, those tackles from Gutman and Chole would probably have been a little bit crisper. The first goal, you got to think that this was Guzan's first action in nine months. That kind of just bizarre error isn't going to happen again. The second goal, well, you know, the other team's trying to score too. But the problem for me, I guess, uh, as a disinterested observer, is the benefit of the doubt keeps being given to Atlanta United. Well, this won't happen next game. This won't happen the next game. This won't happen the next game. And it keeps happening. Even in a friendly, it keeps happening. But let's not project too much from this game. Let's wait and see what happens on Saturday uh, in the next preseason friendly. Let's wait to see how these two new transfers, uh, again, they're not official. I'm assuming that they're coming in. So, for the, again, for the purpose of this podcast, we are acting as if the acquisitions of center back Luis Abram and Greece's Georges Giacomakis are done. Okay? But first, we're going to hear from some of the guys after that 3-3 draw. Here is Gonzalo Pineda talking about how the team did in the first 45 minutes. Uh there were some good things. Uh, we were working specifically on the on the defensive side of things, and, and we didn't show well. So obviously we will correct that. We talk about that already in the locker room. Um, but there were some also good things. I think in attack we, we had some different type of movements that I wanted to see uh, with a different setup, and some of those were successful. We need to do that more fre- frequently. But... Uh, Somehow happy with the attacking side in some ways, but not happy with the defending side. And then um, happy for Luis. I think it's important for him, and and you know uh, he he really wants to show a different face this year. And, and starting like this in a preseason game is, is good for him. And as Gonzalo said, the team has worked a lot in the preseason on defense. You typically work on defense first. Here's him talking about if he's concerned on how the defense played on Saturday. Oh, we'll get better. We will get better. Um, uh, also, there were some heavy legs. We've been training very hard, so we understand all of that. And uh, yes, we will. We, we were not up to our standard, but we will get better there. Now, typically, teams work on defense first in the preseason, and they start switching to the offense. So we'll see what happens here. Now, the players came out wearing uh, black armbands with AW written on them in honor of, of Anton Walks, teammate who died two weeks ago in a boating accident in southern Florida. Um, it was a nice moment. I asked Pineda a few questions about the armbands. I've asked MLS about the armbands. I'm waiting on some answers from the league. But here's Pineda talking about the Walks tribute 
and what he hopes it means. Yeah, I don't know whose idea was, Doug. Uh, it was just in my locker, and I felt that it was the minimum thing we could do for him. Obviously, I never talk about that, but it's uh, obviously very sad news about Anton. He put the team in a, in a very sad mood for multiple days. And, and yeah, it put us all emotional because Anton was a big part of Atlanta United, and you don't need too much time to, to fall in love with that kid that was full of passion and uh, love for the game, love for the teammates, and, you know, we will, we will miss Anton Walks, and I hope we can honor him on and off the field because he was a, a great guy. Luis Arjujo, score of two goals. Said, of course, the team learned something from its first preseason match. Yes, of course. Uh, this is a preseason that is just getting started. Is uh, we just started training a couple weeks ago, and have a game like this is uh, very positive for us. It is very important to see what we did good, what we uh, what we didn't do too good, um, and then thinking of obviously the regular season. Um, hopefully we can fix some of the mistakes and, and start on the, on the right foot. Of course, you heard Pineda said that Arahujo wants to show a different side of himself this season than, than last season when he had four goals and I think it was six assists. Not nearly enough for a designated player. So I asked him if, if scoring two goals on Saturday was a bit of a confidence booster. Yes, of course. Uh, it's always uh, good to score a couple goals. Uh, we're just getting started. Uh, uh, I have a lot of confidence in myself and my team. Uh, we're working really hard, and, and, and hopefully I can score many many goals this year in the MLS. That's not Arahusha, by the way. That's Manny, uh, one of the employees of the team who was kind enough to pitch in and do translation on Saturday. Two of the bright spots, uh, so to speak, from the game were the return of Brad Guzan and Miles Robinson, who, of course, each suffered ruptured Achilles tendons in separate games last year. This was their first action in nearly nine months. Here's Brad just talking about the feelings. For me personally, uh, it was it was good to be back on the field. Uh, you know, Miles and I we were just talking before the game, going onto the field. Um, it's been a long nine months. It's been a long journey. Uh, so to be back out there, uh, regardless of the performance, um, was a step in the right direction. Um, and the thing about preseason is you use these games to get better, and we can only get better after that first 45 minutes. <laughs> little humor and honesty from Brad. And here's him talking about how he felt Miles did in his first match back. We'll look at the video at different things. Um, you know, again, talking to Miles after the game, and I don't want to speak for him at all, um, but, you know, just – when you're out with a long-term injury and you come back into a game like this, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, there's a lot that's running through your mind every time you get the ball, every time there's a touch, every you know, all these little things that normally you you don't think about. You just get out, go, go out there and play. And mm -hmm. and so I thought, uh, I told Miles, I thought I thought he was good today. You know, he's he's probably going to tell you otherwise. Uh, there's things that he could have done better and, and different or whatnot, but. Um, yeah, it's. I think mentally, it's a it's a pretty big hurdle to be back in in a game situation and then come out of it okay. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, for me, that's you know that's the biggest positive, uh, and I think he would say the same. And you know, of course, I wanted to ask Brad if he was nervous at all 
The pitch wasn't ideal, yeah. and so you're not nervous, but you're also aware of your surroundings. You're aware of the conditions. You're aware of, you know, the field. But I wouldn't say nervous. Uh, there was a lot of, I think there was a lot of emotions from the fact that it's been a long nine months. Yeah. Uh, last week we were at Anton's uh, memorial. Mm-hmm. Um, we were wearing, obviously, the armbands. Um, understanding what he meant to this club. So there was a lot going on, you know, away from the soccer side of it. So there you go. Those are the clips from the Chattanooga game. And let's never speak of it again. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get six months of unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, etc. Get all of our stories on AJC.com, access to our e-paper. Even my parents can use the e-paper now. And if they can do it, you can do it. God bless you, Joe and Barbara and our assortment of newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from Mark Bradley. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. Now, we're going to open the mailbag. Although it's not really a mailbag per se. we got to come up with a better, I think we had a name for this last year. And, and because I'm old and dumb, I've forgotten what it was. So anyway, we'll keep calling it a mailbag. But if you have some better ideas on what we can call this shoot on my way at my Twitter at Doug Robertson, AJC or my email at D Robertson at AJC. We're going to start with Greg who says, what am I missing? Rhetorically, we have excessive money tied up in Huzetu and Ibarra and they are incredibly pedestrian. When do their contracts roll off? I assume we can only buy out or loan so many players. Yeah. MLS teams can only buy out one player per off season. I'm going to get into Rosetta and Abara in just a minute with another question. I'm not ignoring your question, Greg. Uh, you can loan players, but you've got to find somebody who wants to take them, and you've got to come to agreements on the salary and have it fit within your budget space and the rules and everything else. Rosetta, I think, has one more year. And then Abara, I do not know, but i got to imagine he probably signed a four- or five-year deal. So that would give him another at least one more year. Moving to Adam. With the club moving on from Joseph, Do you expect manager Gonzalo Pineda to push for more movement apart from bombing sprints from Atlanta's attackers? If this, okay, let me get to this first one first. Pineda has begged for movement from the team. You go back and you listen to any pregame interview with him and he talks about getting more movement, more runs in behind. That's one of the reasons I think the team got Mascara is because he would make runs in behind. There wasn't, there was rarely an end product to it, but he would make those runs. After Saturday, I said I didn't want to speak about Chattanooga again, but after 
that game, Pineda talked about tactically. We didn't play this sound. It was queued up, but I didn't want to listen to it again. He wants his airplanes, talking about Lennon and Gutman, to keep making runs down those those chalk lines, the sidelines, to try to make those defenders get wide and create some space for the attackers inside. But it just has not happened with consistency. We'll see what happens this year. Attic continues. If this hasn't been addressed before, how do you expect the Apple TV money to impact Atlanta's roster building versus other teams? Will it be easier or harder for Atlanta to still remain a big club compared to others? Well, I would assume that revenues would be distributed equally amongst all teams, so it wouldn't really matter a whole lot. It just depends upon your desire to spend money in the transfer market on your DPs. That's the one of the difference makers. Not the total difference maker, but one of the difference makers. And how much you want to spend on your young DPs. So, And you got to wait on proof of concept with this whole Apple deal for MLS rules to start to get relaxed a little bit and get rid of DPs and young DPs and under 22s and targeted allocation money and allocation money and waivers and re-entries and just all this gobbledygook that drives everybody up a freaking wall. If there are a lot of subscribers and Apple sees it's starting to get some of its investment of $2.5 billion over 10 years back, then I think you'll see MLS start to relax some of the, the purse strings on these bizarre rules. The Apple deal, by the way, goes live tomorrow morning, I believe. If you already have Apple TV+, Plus, you can go on and uh, subscribe. I think it's $12.99 a month if you're already a subscriber. If you're a new subscriber, I think it's $15.99 or $15 a month. And if you're a season ticket holder, there is supposed to be some way that you get the season pass for free. Uh, we sat through a 30-minute presentation from Apple yesterday that was just awful, to be honest with you. Uh, and I didn't really get those details from it. Going on to Chris. He says, hey, Doug. Well, hi, Chris. I love the podcast. Well, I love you for saying that. He's an AJC subscriber. I love you even more, Chris. Well, Gigi, which is what everyone is calling our good buddy, Yorgos Yakamakis, and it's easy to remember the Yorgos because of that. I think it's an AT and T commercial for the Gagillionaire when the the guy says, "I am Yorgos." So it's easy to remember that part. It's the Yakamakis that's a little more difficult, at least for me, uh, because I'm an American and need a better education about world things and co- be more cosmopolitan. Anyway, Chris says, "Will Yorgos be available for any of the training sessions in Mexico?" Well, again, assuming. This deal is done. It has been reported by a Greek journalist as being done, but sometimes people don't know how glacial MLS can be with signings and and completing paperwork. Yes, I would assume he he will join the team in Mexico. I don't know if he has to have his uh, visa to join the team in Mexico. I know that players who don't have their visa can go ahead and train with teams. They can't appear in any games, but I don't know what the rules are when the team is based in the U.S., but training in Mexico. But I assume he's going to be able to join the team. I don't think you'll see him on Saturday. Greg says, I have a question for you, sir. Please don't call me, sir. What metrics are you looking at closely this year? Last year, you kept talking about, and TV broadcasts were showing, expected goals the most. We know there are issues with expected goals, or XG, since it is looking at the likelihood of scoring a goal from that position, but is XG determined by looking across all of soccer or is it normalized to MLS? 
I believe it's looking across all of soccer. It's what would a similar player do from that position or has done from that position. Joe Patrick can talk a lot more about expected goals. I, I'm not a fan of the stat, but I know a lot of people use it, so I'm using it a little bit more in my work. To me, it's kind of silly. It's, it's like wins above replacement. It, what difference does that make? What if everyone at that position in baseball stunk for a while and you got one guy who played decently, suddenly his wins above replacement becomes really, really good, a la Jason Hayward a few years ago? I got yelled at on Twitter when I said that I think it was the Cubs who signed Jason Hayward for a big free agent deal that they were making a mistake. And everyone kept saying, well, look at his war. Look at his war. I'm like, well, look at all the other field right fielders in baseball. They stink that season. So that's why I don't like expected goals. It doesn't matter. You score or you don't score. But what you might have done to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Greg continues, would you rather look at shot creation from buildup metric or percentage of defensive possessions in your final third not leading to a shot on goal? I don't even know where you'd find that last stat, but that is very fascinating. Greg, if you want to share that with me, I would love to see that. I think this year I'm probably looking at the percentage of quality shots on target. Atlanta United uh, was one of the league leaders in expected goals last year, but if you look at their um, Expected goals per shots on target, I think is that stat. They were like tied for last. So you could take a lot of shots. Uh, but if you're hitting them either right at the goalkeeper or over the goal, which is what Atlanta United was doing a lot of, then it doesn't really matter a whole lot. So anyway, I think also another interesting stat this year will be uh, percentage of passes going forward. And we're going to get into re- reason why here in just one second with Henry's question. Henry, friend of the podcast, do you think there's any chance the team will look to bring in a center midfielder to strengthen the midfield? It feels like there's just a chasm in that area of the pitch, and it's even more obvious with Huzetu and Abara playing together. If I were the team, yes, I definitely would, and here's why. If you put the stats from Sosa, Huzetu, and Abara together last season, so this is the three midfielders, they're expected non-penalty goals and assists, expected goals and assists, total just 5.1. Three players, total goals and assists of 5.1. Their combined salaries were $1.8 million. That is a, just a horrible, horrible inverse that you don't want to see. Now, some of you will argue, well, Sosa is a defensive midfielder. He's not supposed to be contributing a whole lot to the attack, except he is supposed to. He's supposed to be a good passer out to the wings. He's supposed to be a a guy that can hit that kind of ball. And you're playing in a league that honors the hockey assist. So he should have some more assists. This is a you know, you know, most of you know that I'm not a big fan of Michael Bradley, the player. And, and when the year that Toronto won the MLS Cup a few years ago, he like had two assists. And I was still like, he's not, he's a good player. But to me, he's just not good enough because the league honors hockey assists. And he has like two on the highest scoring team in Major League Soccer. That doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, you're paying $1.8 million. Your The budget charge is, is a lot less than that because uh, two of the three are, are 
under 22 initiative players, the total budget charge is like $400,000. But still, $1.8 million for an expected total of 5.1 goals plus assists. Abara is supposed to be a center midfielder. Hazetu is supposed to be a center midfielder. They are supposed to be getting involved in the attack. They've got to start getting involved in the attack. Henry continues, is there any other option for Atlanta United to get rid of Eric Lopez at this point, aside from waiting on his contract to expire? No, unless they can find someone to take that on. So let's recap today's news really quickly. It was uh, broken by Seal Merlo this morning that the team was sending Edwin Mosquera out on loan to a club in Argentina. It was a surprise. No, I, well, I guess a surprise. You start looking at the lineup. You start looking at his salary, which was quite hefty for a guy who had no goals and four assists in like 55 appearances in Columbia before he joined Atlanta United last season. He had two assists for Atlanta United. One of them was a hockey assist. He got robbed of a goal because of an incorrect offside decision. But you also have on that left wing, Derek Etienne, Machop Chol, Caleb Wiley, you got a logjam of players. I didn't understand the Mascara signing when he came in, especially for the salary based upon his lack of production. And then going into the offseason, you have Mascara, you have Lopez, you have Sosa, you have Ibarra. That's four under-22 initiative signings. MLS teams are only allowed three. Now, it's been obvious the team has been trying to loan Lopez again for a second season. It seems pretty clear they couldn't find anyone to take Lopez for a second season. So they loaned out Mascara. So now logic dictates Lopez is likely going to come back to Atlanta United because they can't buy him out. They've already exercised their one offseason buyout on Joseph Martinez. So either he just stays away from the team, so you're paying somebody not to play, which makes no sense, especially when you need strikers, if that's even what Lopez is anymore. Or you bring him back. Henry continues. Oh, you can't put him on waivers either, Henry. Do I have an opinion on the press box glass being removed? And why is it the greatest thing since a roof that can open and close? Uh, yeah, so some of y'all may not follow Jason or Brett on Twitter. Jason is a communications manager for Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Brett Jukes is chief communications officer for Arthur and Blank Sports and Entertainment. They both put out photos this week of the glass that separates the press box from y'all, the fantastic supporters has been removed. So now we can better hear the noise of the stadium. We can better get a feel of the excitement that y'all are feeling or the disappointment y'all are feeling, as it has been two of the past three seasons. Um, Just a better sense of the energy now that the glass is gone. And again, as I tweeted, as long as they don't do anything to the Carvel ice cream machine, I'll be a happy, happy camper. Now, Sanford says, I hope you're well and enjoying your new digs. I am very much enjoying my new digs, Sanford. Thank you. Not really questions, but there are some thoughts. I like the starting 11 on paper, if indeed we get Yorgos and a center back, but we are so thin down the spine, we know that over the course of the season, you rarely have your entire first-choice team on the field. I think if we have any serious injuries this season, we will likely be hovering around 10th place again. As with Pineda, I'm just not sure I trust him to elevate this squad and get the most out of it. I do wonder how secure his job will be if we aren't in a playoff position by the break in July. Well, I'm maybe not as confident as you are uh, in the lineup. I, I 
I think the defense is going to be better with Robinson and Guzan back. If the team can avoid injuries, this is always the key for almost any team in any sport. If you can avoid injuries, you have a chance. Obviously, Atlanta United could not avoid injuries last season. If they can this season, if that back six or back seven can play together a lot, it's going to make the attacking players that much better because they don't have to worry about coming back as much. Obviously, Pineda wants them to play defense, but you know what I mean. Um, they can be a little more aggressive getting down the field. They could take some chances with some runs, things like that. I don't think Pineda's going to get fired. It would take the results absolutely bottoming out. You have to, you have to almost throw last year away because of all the injuries. It just it was almost impossible for any manager to deal with. Nick says, I was wondering if the rumored striker and center back signings do come through. Again, we are assuming they are. Do you see this as a playoff team? Uh, possibly. It's just it's really difficult to tell how a new striker is going to fit. I'm really curious about the center back because obviously the team needs three, three experienced center backs. Noah Cobb would be the fourth center back. But having a new center back coming in also means that if Robinson doesn't sign his contract that's been sitting on the table since last year, and let's say the results aren't great for the team and it's likely it looks likely they're not going to make the playoffs, the team can try to transfer Robinson and get some of its money back from the contracts. Otherwise, he's going to walk and the team isn't going to get anything. And that's... Not good with one of your more valuable assets. Nick says, what are your way too early rankings for the East? Well, those are going to come out in our season preview package, which will be in the February 19th Sunday version of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'll go ahead and I'll give you who I think is on top. And that is Philadelphia. And the rest you're going to have to buy the paper for. Continuing with Mark, within the realm of realism, that's interesting wording. What is the best expectation around Eric Lopez if he is with us this season? Would he be taking minutes away from Jackson Conway? So here's here's the deal with Lopez. He came here as a striker. He came here at Lane United, thought that the under-22 initiative was going to go ahead and go into effect in 2019. Uh, my years are going to be mess, messed up, but you'll get the gist of it. In 2019, I think. So they signed Lopez. He went ahead and came. The under-22 thing didn't happen. He voluntarily agreed to go play with the twos so they could get used to the team, get used to the playing time. So that kind of tells you about his commitment. Then Gabriel Heinze came in in 2020, and he moved Lopez from a striker to a winger. So it basically became a lost season for Lopez. Then he got put out on loan last season with Banfield, where he I think he made 15 appearances, something like that. It may have been 18. The numbers are eluding me right now. But I don't know if he played as a striker or as a winger. So if he comes back to Atlanta United, I don't know if he's going to play as a striker or a winger. Even if he does, he's not going to have any time within Pineda's system. So no, I don't think he would take backup minutes away from Jackson Conway or starter minutes if Conway does start. All right, well, that wraps up this mailbag. I hope you all are doing well. As always, I encourage you to hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. I want to give a shout out to my friend Ryan, who is recovering well from hip surgery. I'm glad to have my son back from his debate trip with Carrollton uh, in New York where they did decently against national competition. 
And this is Doug. You can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I don't know when we'll do our next show. Probably next week we'll sum up um, the preseason friendly, which is going to be late Saturday night. Uh, maybe wrap up any more news of, of players incoming, though I don't think there's going to be any more than the two. And remember to rate, follow, and share the show to help us grow. Thanks for listening to Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Thank you.